Welcome again to the Find You Fitness Podcast. Man, is it a good day to have a good day. I'm your host, Lee Pinkham. And remember, guys, with the Find You Fitness Podcast, my methodology, and, and yes, I'm biased in believing this is the right way to go about it, is to present to you all all of the information based off of my experiences working with myself, with clients, and schooling the good and the bad, and let you formulate your own opinion on it. That's where I got the name of this podcast from, Find You, Find What Works Best For You. And today, we're going to talk about the power of frequency and how that variable alone can propel you to huge gains in the gym. Remember, guys, if you like the podcast, share it. Share it anywhere on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your story, uh, your Snapchat, wherever, or your TikTok. I don't care. Just put it out there. And every little bit of sharing, it helps the podcast grow. It helps it reach someone that I don't know or that I've never spoken to in my life. And maybe they'll like it and they'll share it and it'll help the podcast grow. So without any further ado, enjoy this week's episode. All right, so let's see. I got my coffee here and my water and the fan blowing in the background. I just got back to Port Orange to start my fourth quarter of chiropractic school. And let's see, what's new? Well, last week uh, I had my 26th birthday. And last Wednesday I was really feeling – that was my birthday. I was really feeling training that day. And what I started doing last year – And something that I'm definitely going to continue doing is on my birthday, what I would do is I would work up to a very heavy one rep max or not necessarily a max, but a one RM attempt maybe of a deadlift. And then I would go to a track and run a mile for time. And those two movements to me, they they really are kind of what got me into CrossFit now. When I was watching the games years ago and I would see these guys deadlifting so much weight and then running with uh, an incredible mile pace, regardless of the distance, I was really, really impressed. So I kind of told myself, you know what, since I started training more of the CrossFit-esque workouts, I was like, you know what, on my birthday, I will lift a heavy deadlift and I'm going to do a mile for time. So last year in 2019, I did that. I deadlifted 405 and it was at the end of a workout that I didn't even deadlift in that day. Uh, But regardless, I hit a 405 deadlift and then I went out to the track that and this is in 2019. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to run a sub six minute mile today. I'd never done that before. And I was just so determined to do it. And that day, I think I ran a 541 or 543 or something like that. I was super pumped about it. And this year, I was obviously going to do the same thing again. So I did have deadlifts in my programming this go around. So on Wednesday the 1st, I worked up to a heavy one rep max and I hit 475, which is 30 pounds off of my max at 505. I was really kind of hoping I was going to get in the 500s. I was just thinking I I was feeling good. But when I put 495 on the bar, it just didn't go anywhere. So uh, I did that and I went out to the track and I said, you know what? For this year's run, I just really want to break six minutes again. I don't necessarily care to beat last year's time. I don't know if I can. And I I warmed up and I ran that first lap. And for the six-minute mile, four laps around a track. So I knew that if I kept every lap around a 130, then I would break the six minutes. And so I did the first lap in like 115. 
and a common problem, people come out way too hot and then they pay for it later on. So I did a 115 and I said, oh shit, this basically means that I have a minute and 45 seconds to do uh, the next round. So I slowed my pace down a good bit uh, to keep it under that six minute pace. And then I ran that second lap in a 130. So I had banked up so much time. I still had 15 seconds of time to, to let go to hit that six minute mile. And anyways, when I started my last lap, I was at 415 and I was feeling it, but I was also, I was feeling good and, you know, in, in a way to where I, I told myself, if I push this right now, I might actually break a 530. And so I, sent it. I put everything I had into it and I crossed the, the line and I, I was at 531, I think, maybe 532. It was a huge PR for me. I never thought I could run something like that. And I'm hoping next year I hit under 530. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. And it just kind of holds me accountable year in and year out. And I'm going to have these numbers forever. When I'm 56, I'll be able to look back and say, man, when I was 25, I pulled uh, 405 and I ran a 541 mile. When I was 26, I pulled 475 and ran a 531 mile, whatever the case may be. And just have some sort of like tangible, uh, results, uh, that I can, that I can look at and that I can evaluate, um, for, for my improvements. I'm just going to adjust my settings here. And so, <clears throat> Anyways, that's kind of what's what's been going on in my life the past two weeks. Today, I want to talk a lot about frequency and the power of it when it comes to your training. Uh, frequency is, is a very powerful tool to use within your training that most people, honestly, they don't take full advantage of. For the most part, it's very simple. Just do whatever you're trying to get better at more often. <laughs> but there's always different obstacles in our way. So proper planning is key. And where do you plan? When do you plan? In your programming, right? I could probably name this episode The Power of Programming and convey the same message as I am today. However, I specifically want to focus on frequency today. Now, now that I'm talking about that, though, expect to see an episode titled uh, something about the power of programming in the future <laughs> because it is, a, it is a popular topic. It's a popular subject um, to discuss and today I'm just going to harness solely on frequency. When I think about the power of frequency, I have there's there's one moment in my fitness journey that really made this apparent to me. It was a CrossFit open workout and I think it was CrossFit it was the open workout 19.5 so it was the last open workout of 2019. And that's kind of how the open works. So there's one open for CrossFit every single year. I didn't understand this until I got into it. But there's one open every year, and that's where you get the first two numbers. So 19, there was 18, there was 20, 20 point. And then when you get the 20 point, there's usually five open workouts. So it'd be 20.1, 20.2, 20.3, 20.4, 20 20.5. And those are the five workouts, and each one is a different one. Well, 19.5, this was my first uh, open. And the workout, it was a descending ladder of 33, 27, 21, 15, 9. And the movements you had to do were thrusters and chest-to-bar pull-ups. Thrusters are basically a front squat directly into a press overhead. They are the epitome of 
uh, jacking your heart rate up and they will put you in the ground with how difficult they are. And then obviously with the chest to bar pull-ups, you can do the butterfly pull-ups. And remember when it comes to butterfly pull-ups, I could totally have an, a whole, an entire episode on this. Remember that when it comes to the butterfly pull-ups, that is something that you do once you've conquered strict pull-ups and you can handle the load of butterfly pull-ups. Um, you still, with butterfly pull-ups, like the, the swinging ones, if you don't catch what I'm saying, you still meet the standard of what a pull-up is. It's a full lockout and your chin goes above the bar. And in the case of chest-to-bar pull-ups, your chest has to touch the bar. There's also a different number for how many strict pull-ups I can do versus butterfly pull-ups. The number is probably close to double. I could probably hit 30 to 40 butterfly pull-ups right now and 15 to 20 strict pull-ups in one go. And if you want to improve your butterfly or your kipping pull-ups, you get better at strict pull-ups. Crossfitters know this, but the general public, they really have this preconceived notion that crossfitters don't get this. Thus, this ongoing battle about things who against people who have never really tried to, to learn or understand something. They just make assumptions about things uh, they've never experienced or never even tried to understand. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the battle. And that's really just a side rant. It, it, it kind of comes up anytime I talk about pull-ups to people that don't do CrossFit uh, when I talk about the CrossFit pull-ups. So this open workout, 33, 27, 21, 15, 9, thrusters and chest bar Thrusters were at 95 pounds. So basically, I would do 33 thrusters, 33 chest-to-bar pull-ups, 27 thrusters, 27 chest-to-bar pull-ups. Uh, you didn't have to do it straight through. Like, you don't have to do 33 in a row. You could do five, drop the bar, do five again, drop the bar. You just had to complete those 33 thrusters before you moved on to the 33 chest-to-bars. Well, the guy's weight was 95. The girl's weight was 65. It's actually smart to do uh, small sets. So that was a lot of people like you get into how you strategize for these workouts. Um, a lot of people for the thrusters from the beginning, they do sets of five and they put the bar down. They'd catch their breath, do maybe three, two, one, pick the bar up again, do another five reps. Well, there was a 20 minute time cap on this workout. When I had, when they had announced this workout the night before, my mind was just blown that anyone could finish it. I mean, if you if you count that up, that's one hundred and five chest bar pull ups and 105 thrusters, all within 20 minutes. And the top guys and girls in the world in CrossFit were finishing this workout in like under 10 minutes. That just blew my mind. And I was relatively new to CrossFit at this time, but I could do the thrusters and the chest bars at uh, the, the RX version. So I could do the 95 pounds and I could actually do a chest bar. Well, I had actually, I had never done a chest bar until the very first rep. And it was a very funny rep too. I ended up pulling all the way up to my belly button and Hannah actually snapped a photo of it. But I kind of, I told my judge Nick before I started, I was like, I've never done a chest bar. How do I, how do I do this? And he was like, just pull higher, pull to your chest <laughs> instead of like just getting your chin above the bar. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely did that. I basically pulled it all the way to my belly button. I was like, eh, that, maybe that's good enough. So the thrusters at and and then with the thrusters at 95 pounds for guys and 65 for girls that's a that's a pretty light weight but like i said you end up doing that 105 times uh you do anything 105 times and it, it's going to get hard and with that thruster i mean you got to think you're doing a front squat 
105 times and to oppress 105 times. I mean, that's tough. I think I ended up finishing that workout with, I was on the 15 thrusters uh, when the time cap hit. And I remember thinking I was, I was really impressed with myself and, and rightfully so. I was just so astonished that anyone could do 105 reps in 20 minutes. I, rem- I remember asking myself, like, how do I get to that level? And since I have really no problem thinking critically about myself at all, I asked myself a very straightforward question. Well, how have I prepared to do 105 chest to bar pull-ups? I started thinking about the previous week and what I did in, in the gym. Did I do any pull-ups that week of any kind? I think maybe I had done like 15 to 30 strict pull-ups in total that week. I thought about the week before that, hardly any then as well. And the week before that, the same thing. So if I critically analyze my training leading up to that, did I actually deserve to be able to do 105 pull-ups in under 20 minutes? The answer is no. I hadn't even done 105 pull-ups in the past three weeks combined. (laughs) So what gave me this right to think that I deserved to finish that workout? It sounds harsh, but it's the truth. It's important to note that this thought doesn't beat me up, though, or set me back. It's just painting the picture clearly for me. I needed to do more pull-ups. The same thing happened with an earlier open workout. I think it had like 50 toes to bar uh, spread out throughout the first eight minutes. I realized at round rep 30 that I was fading and I was fading fast. I couldn't like my abs were just shot. The same exact principle applies there as well. I just I didn't train toes to bar enough to get better at them to do this much volume in a workout. Um, my mom often she my mom often struggles with this and and I'm putting her on blast here because it's something we talked about quite a lot and you know she's really changed her attitude about it. A lot of women struggle to hit just one strict pull up. They try and they try or at least they think they're trying and they can never get one. But the need to think critically here applies just like it did for me. Trying to when I was trying to hit 105 pull-ups, how many times in the past week did you work on a pull-up progression? Once? Okay, well, what about the previous week? None? Or one time? Again? Yeah, well, I mean, once or twice is better than none, but why not two to three times a week? If your body can handle it, of course, but it, you know, if you really want this as bad as you want it, like, why not do it more? The same thing applies for really any movement, not just pull-ups or toes to bar, regardless of it, if it, even if you have the strength or you don't. If you're bad at running, you probably just don't run enough. Are you bad at burpees? Same thing. You may do these movements once or twice every two weeks, but how are you expected to get better at them when you do them so infrequently? The, the toes to bar and the pull-up struggles uh, that open, it really took a, a toll on me. Mentally, not a depressive toll, but it was like, hey, dude, you have no excuse to not get good at these. I just simply needed to do more. Strict work, uh, kipping work, all of that. I needed to do more. And see, when it comes to cardiovascular endurance and gymnastic skill, it really doesn't take that long to get better at it. I'm not saying that you're going to get better in like three weeks, but consistently tackling these weaknesses head on and you're going to see improvements fast. Compare that to building up your squat or your bench press or your deadlift. That progress takes months and years to improve. 
getting better at pull-ups just requires you to get on the bar three or four times a week if your body can handle it. And if you can't get onto the bar, it's learning progressions to where you can get to the bar and you can just hang. And if you can't do that, or you can, you can't hang for long, you can only hang for five seconds, we need to try to see if we can improve that to 10 to 15 seconds, to 20 seconds, to 30 seconds. If you can hang on the bar, but you can't do a strict pull-up, we need to either find a way to get you doing some assisted one on a machine, or doing some banded pull-ups with enough help to help you get up. Or we're going to do ring rows to help you on that pulling motion. There's so many opportunities and options for you to improve this. You just have to seek them out, and you have to want to do it. If... You asked me what my strengths were in the gym. I would, without a doubt, I would say, and I, maybe someone else would, wouldn't disagree with me here uh, that's seen me work out on a daily basis, but I would say that gymnastics movements um, that are on the bars, that like, like bar muscle-ups, toes-to-bar, pull-ups, uh, anything on the bar, and the rings as well, and then endurance work. Because those two things, they don't really require that much skill really just a baseline of strength and willingness to just work to grind now obviously everyone will start at a different pace than someone else if you've never hung on a bar you know don't start doing that five times a week now start with a few days a week listen to your body and adjust and make make a change or do the same thing the next week I've got an entire episode on this. I can't remember what number it is, but last year before my competition, I took an eight to nine week period. I tracked all of my volume for movements that I wanted to work on. That was pull-ups, handstand push-ups, push-ups, toes to bar, ring muscle-ups, bar muscle-ups. And then I threw in thrusters and overhead squats because those are two movements that I need to do more of. Kipping and I and strict work, I counted them separately. So I would have a, a column for... Uh, strict toes to bar and then one for kipping toes to bar. I had one for strict pull-ups and I had one for kipping pull-ups. So the plan was simple. Uh, Every week I would do more reps than the previous week. So if I did 50 pull-ups in week one with 30 strict and 20 kipping, I would do more in week two. Maybe that'd be 35 strict and 30 kipping. I didn't have a set number to increase by. It was just meant to go up. Very, very simple sort of program to set up for myself. And I was smart about it. I'd look at my training for the week and I'd plan how I was going to attack increasing the volume of these gymnastics movements. I wouldn't crank out 150 toes to bar on Monday because then I wouldn't be able to do any toes to bar for four days because my abs would be probably pretty sore. My goal would be to at least give my body one day of rest between movements. Unless I only did a few that day. So like last, I guess two Mondays ago, I snuck in 25 strict pull-ups throughout the workout. For me, that's not a lot of pull-ups. So on Tuesday, when it was in the programming, I just did more. It didn't like the pull-ups I did on Monday. It just didn't affect me. Uh, This has been more of my mentality since switching over to CrossFit is every day is a full body day. Uh, before it was like, dude, I hit pull-ups yesterday. I can't do anything with my back today. That's just a terrible idea. Uh, but that kind of, um, mindset has just, has, is just gone for me. I, if I feel good and this the next day, uh, there's still strategically planned, uh, programming in my workouts, but I mean, I felt fine enough to do pull-ups the next day. I'm going to do pull-ups the next day. So... Another aspect of being smart about this frequency issue 
or thing is listening to my body. So about five weeks into this eight to nine week like gymnastics uh, volume thing I had going on, my joints, they're feeling fine. They're feeling great. But my body was telling me to take a deload week from all of this volume. So in week six, and I, I did that. And in week seven, I felt refreshed and I was ready to beat those numbers from week five. Sometimes, sometimes people are afraid to take that deload week because it's a, it's a week of not pushing yourself as hard, but you've got to think about what your end goal is. If I would have pushed through that week six, I could have injured myself and that would have set me back for several weeks. Maybe that wouldn't have happened, but it's a risk that I wasn't willing to take based off the message my body was telling me. And I can't really explain that message. Uh, you're going to kind of figure it out yourself. And it unfortunately may be through some trial and error. Uh, but that's honestly a lot of times is the best way to learn. So after doing that eight weeks gymnastics cycle, guess what? I got a lot better of all, at all of those gymnastic movements. And really, because of that eight-week period alone, I would consider that gymnastic movements on the bar to be a real strength of mine. And that's pretty good considering I'm 6'1 and I'm pushing 210 pounds. But this concept applies to, to pretty much everything. And it's, it's this frequency concept, guys. If you want to be a better runner, well, run more. When, when people tell me, and they say, I'm just not a good runner. I, I, usually, I'm, I'm, I usually roll my eyes in the back of my head. It, it usually means that they hardly ever run. Uh, have you guys, if, you guys have probably heard of squat every day. It's that it was really popular years ago, but it's, it's still there. But if the concept of this is that you would squat every day based off of different intensities, different loads, uh, different amount of volume and, uh, you squatted maybe seven days a week. I can't remember, but it was either it was five to seven days a week. I mean, you put a bar on your back and you do back squats. How do you think that works? It's it's a combination of of thoughtful programming and frequency. Uh, thoughtful programming would be adjusting that volume and that intensity day in and day out, so you're not destroying your body. And we take that same concept of squat every day and go back to running. The concept is exactly the same. If you're not a runner and you wouldn't and you want to start, you're not going to start by running five miles every single day. You're going to build up to that gradually and listen to your body along the way. I can think of, of one time I made the mistake uh, recently of pushing myself too hard. And, it, and it's going to happen even with experience, even with uh, years in the gym. It's it's going to happen. And you the important thing is you just learn from the mistake that you made. So several weeks ago when Hannah and I were challenged to a 10-mile run by some friends at the gym, uh, we did it. I had never ran more than five miles at any one time. And when I doubled this, and in hindsight, it was kind of stupid. Uh, my, my right foot, I ended up in so much pain uh, because of the overuse. It, it hurt. And then the next day, I was an idiot, and I pushed it again. I did a workout that had five miles of running in it. It was dumb, but I paid the price. I could hardly walk for two or three days, thus setting me back a day or two because I had to recover. Uh, this is why I struggle, this this whole frequency concept. It's, it's why I struggle saying I'm bad at something. Like, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm not, and I've been swimming uh hoping that I can swim the 200 meters in my comp coming up at the end of this month. 
I'm not a good swimmer, but I swim maybe once a week over the past month. And now that we're three weeks out, I'm actually going to probably, I'm going to start swimming two to three times a week to become a better swimmer. I have a hard time saying that I'm a bad swimmer. It's really because I don't do enough of it. And that's like, I'm not trying to be overly confident or even cocky when I say something like that. I know that if I put in the time and I put in the work to become a good swimmer, if I swam as much as I go to the gym, I would be a good swimmer. Um, but I don't do that. And so, yeah, that I guess that makes me a bad swimmer, but I'm not trying as hard as I can. So when people tell me they're not a good runner or they can't do this movement or that, I'm like, well, do you ever practice it? And usually the answer is, well, maybe like once a week or maybe once every few weeks or no, I don't even practice it. I'm like, well, that's why you're not good at it. I mean, have you thought about it? It, it just comes down to, you know, how bad do you really want to get better at something and what actions are you taking to to do so? I, I see it all the time with people. They're like, man, I just I can't do this or that. And I'm like, dude, you got to work on it. it. It doesn't just it's not just going to happen. It's not just like you're not naturally just going to get better at something you don't do. Uh, you take any professional athlete and you put them at at their sport when they first started, they weren't any better than the person beside them. So another movement I struggle a lot with is is handstand walks. Uh, It's the same thing, guys. It's hard for me to say I'm bad at handstand walks. Can I walk, can I get upside down and can I walk five feet? No, I cannot, but I don't work on them enough. Maybe, maybe once a week, uh, maybe once a week. And even, you know, if I'm thinking critically about myself here, I haven't worked on handstand walks and probably two or three weeks now. I mean, and that was, and even then it was probably just spending 10 minutes just trying to get upside down and move, move a little bit. Uh, they're not in my competition coming up. I don't really need to do them anytime now, but it's, it's something that it's that concept. I, obviously I'm, I'm not good at them, but I just don't, I don't practice it enough. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. The, the message I hopefully conveyed to you all today was, was twofold. The first one, to, to make you aware of the power of frequency and the power that it has within your training. If you want to get better at a movement, guys, you need to do it more or you need to learn the progressions and the regressions uh, to learn how to properly get to the level that you want to get to. And secondly, it's important that you have awareness within your programming. Listen to your body. Don't overdo it. And the more effort you put into planning how you're going to attack this, the more successful you're going to be with it. Listen, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with some friends and family. Put it on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, Snapchat. Put it anywhere. Uh, Even if you're like hesitant about sharing it, I promise you I appreciate it way more than you realize. Uh, I'll see you guys next week.